Let's, uh, let's keep that heart that we were feeling there when we were singing that song. Let's, let's keep nurturing that as we go to the Lord in prayer together. Would you pray with me? Lord, um, thank you, Lord Jesus. When, when many of us, most of us probably here sang that, that song that your name is so powerful, Lord, you know what that means. It means you are so powerful. You have done so many wonderful things in our lives. I know that some of us here think of how we no longer feel condemned before God because of what you've done for us, Lord. For others of us here, we know, Lord, that you have given us a new life and that we were heading down a path that, that leads to destruction and you saved us and you set us on a new path, and we're grateful to you, Lord, for that. For some of us here, Lord, we know that you have mended broken relationships. You've done miraculous things in our lives in restoring relationships that were wounded, that were broken, and we're grateful for that. Lord, I know that some people uh, come here this morning and I just bring them before you, don't know their names or who they are, but Lord, we know that they've come possibly with questions in their mind or just sensing, I, I need to get to church for one reason or another. And they're a little confused. They're not quite sure why they're here. I pray, Lord, that by the end of our time together, they'll leave going, I know why, why God, why you brought us here. Uh, Lord, I pray that your spirit would move in their lives. For others, I know um, they're here, Lord, because um, they're sad that, that life has not been treating them very well, it seems, and, and they need some hope, and I pray that you'd give that to them. Still others, I know, Lord, come with uh, hearts of rejoicing, that they're, they've had a good time. Uh, they're, they're here, and things are positive in their life, and, and Lord, I pray that you'll just help them to continue to rejoice in you and solidify that joy in you and how good you are to them. No matter how we've come, Lord, we've come expecting, and uh, we pray by your Spirit that as we open up your Word, um, you'll move us. You'll move us not in our minds only, but also in our hearts. Lord, help us to follow after you because we've gathered together. So we dedicate the rest of our service time to you, Lord. Uh, may you be honored in this place, and we pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, um, this past Wednesday, another senior pastor has resigned. Uh, the elders wrote a letter to the church, and they said that this pastor resigned due to multiple marital infidelities. Uh, the church happens to be the church that uh, from age 13 to 23, I went to. It's the church that my parents have been members at for years and years and years. And um, it's a church that some of my siblings attend as well. Elmbrook Church in Brookfield, Wisconsin, uh, their senior pastor resigned this past Wednesday. And um, that's not the first blow that they've had this year. Back in March, their senior executive pastor, be the 
the guy that oversees all the staff members at the church, he resigned in March because of an adulterous relationship that he was having with another woman at the church. Of course, if you've been following the news at all, you've heard about Bill Hybels, who retired early, and uh, there have been many accusations against him for uh, misconduct, shall we say. Well, after hearing this news this past Wednesday, um, I had a flood of different emotions. And maybe if you've heard of these, this, these things, that you have different emotions that tend to stir in you. I, I, I was angry, um, sad, uh, confusion, fear was generated. Jill and I, my wife and I, we were uh, processing it. And um, I think she hit the nail on the head when she said, not only are we no different than the world, we are worse. He's mad. Mad. I mean, how can we as Christians present ourselves as those who have, in a sense, the moral high ground in our society, that we tend to walk, you know, in a way of the ways of the Lord, that we tend to speak about how um, we have a lifestyle that is right and true and, yes, holy, and then turn around and in the eyes of the world prove that it's just a false front. How can we proclaim that we, you know, have this incredible life with the Lord and, and yet show the world, at least in their eyes, obviously it's not real. <laughs> they see Christianity as some sort of a farce. Well, we are in this series we're starting called Lifestyles. Ironically, we're starting it um, this Sunday and uh, it will go through the month of October, and uh, it's, a, it's about the kind of life that God wants us to live. It's, uh, it's how he wants us to be a people set apart for him. So over the next several weeks, we're going to unpack this. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about integrity. How do we have integrity as Christians? Uh, over the weeks to come, we're going to talk about how to manage our lives, how to manage our relationships, how to manage our money, how to, how to live a life that God desires. We're going to talk about our, our physical bodies. Why does God give us our physical bodies? We're going to talk about um, our minds and our hearts and how, how we can make sure that all of our life is a lifestyle that God would want for us. Now, this is uh, all leading up to, of course, that Redeeming Food and Body Conference that Pastor Kyle mentioned earlier, very specifically talking about our physical bodies and, and how we relate to our physical bodies and how we relate to the food that we eat and how central to life food is and how it ought to be seen and all that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is God does want us to have a lifestyle that brings him honor. Matter of fact, I think if, if we sat down with those guys that I mentioned at the beginning, if I were able to sit across the table from them and have a heart-to-heart -heart with them, I can almost guarantee to you that those guys would say to me, I didn't want to, but I did. That I know, I know it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. Yet I did it anyway. 
Why? Why? Why choose sin over the Lord? Why do it? Why did they say yes to it and no to God? Why didn't they have integrity? You know, where what they show on their public life is what is actually happening in their private life as well. And how might we avoid the experience of lacking integrity? How can we have integrity? I mean, when I'm seeing all of these Christian leaders falling around me, I've got to tell you, in this last Wednesday, it was no different. It scared me. It scared me. And I reached out to one of my mentors, uh, Fred Shea, sent him a text, told him what was happening. And he wrote this text back to me. I have it here for us. He says, tragic indeed. Words of warning to all of us. The devil is after us. We all have a bullseye on our backs as pastors. And that's true. <laughs> but I'm not alone. All of us have a bullseye on our backs. Satan would like nothing better than for us to lack integrity. This is a spiritual battle at its core. So in this battle, how do we do it? How do we maintain our integrity? How can we stay undivided in our commitments to the Lord? How can we avoid being two-faced or fake in who we are and how we offer ourselves to others? When it comes to talking about our lifestyle, I think if I were to poll all of us, I think most every one of us, probably every one of us in here, would say the last thing that I want is to be disingenuous, you know? <laughs> the last thing that I want is to be a poser. No doubt all of us would say the last thing I would want is to lack integrity. So how can we have it? Well, contrary to being a Christian who falls to instead of fleeing from temptation, Every single one of us can grow in our integrity. If we couldn't, then what the Bible calls us to is an impossibility. And the Bible doesn't call us to things that are impossible. There are plenty of places in the Bible that we can go that will help us with our integrity. Plenty of places we can go that will lay out for us how to walk in our integrity. And yet I think there's one place in the Bible that just seems to hit it so point blankly. It just seems almost like in our faces as to how to have a life of integrity that I couldn't help but say, I got to go there when I talk to us as a church family. It's found in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm in the Bible. Matter of fact, the longest chapter in the entire Bible, 176 verses. Actually, it's 22 sections broken down into eight verses of, in each section. And in Psalm 119, it does highlight how to have integrity in a very straightforward way. 
If you have your Bibles handy, you can go to Psalm 119. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. If you don't have your Bibles, that's fine. We'll have the scriptures up here on the screen for you. And it says this. Listen to this question that the psalmist asks. He says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a person keep their way pure? How can a person keep their integrity in their lives? And it's a straightforward answer to it. He doesn't mince words. He says this in the end of verse 9, by keeping it according to your word. We cannot have integrity unless we line up our lives with the straight line of God as it's laid out in the word of God. There simply isn't any other way. The only plumb line that is perfectly straight is God and his Bible. And yet, this might surprise you, but we cannot keep our integrity if all we do is read the Bible and listen to the Bible and get to know in our heads and even in our hearts what the Bible has to say. There's got to be more than that. And God's word will lay it out for us. And so this morning, we're going to see how the Bible, yes, the Bible must be incorporated into our lives in order to, wait, in order to keep our way pure. And we'll see even more than that, what the Bible lays out is also needed. So let's start where integrity has to start. Integrity in our hearts. Having integrity in our hearts, right down deep in our souls. Psalm 119 continues at verse 10. Notice what he says. He says, with all my heart, I have sought you. And then if you jump down to verse 11, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. What the psalmist is talking about is having a heart of integrity. Integrity starts deep in our souls. Integrity starts right in our hearts. And what he's saying is, I'm all in. With all my heart, I'm seeking after you, God. I'm all in, right down at the core of my being. I'm fully committed. And in his full commitment, he still has this sense like, yeah, but I need help. I'm committed, but I need help. Notice how he asks for help. Let's start again in verse 10. With all my heart I have sought you. And then he says this. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. And then he says, teach me your statutes. By the way, statutes are your prescription for my life. The way that you want my life to be, God, teach me those things. Now, I see two ingredients here to pursue integrity deep down in our hearts. They are prayer and the Word of God. Prayer, he's crying out to God. Did you see how he's crying out for help? I'm totally committed. I, I'm going to keep my way pure. I want my integrity. And yet he cries out to God. You see that at the end of verse 10? Do not let me wander from your commandments. And then in verse 11, that I may not sin against you. And then in verse 12, teach me your statutes. Praying out, help me, Lord. Back in January 2013, I had the privilege of going to Ethiopia for about 10 days. And uh, I got to tell you, that was a life-changing experience going over to Ethiopia. Well, one thing that was interesting about Ethiopia is it seemed like almost every Ethiopia or Ethiopian owned a donkey. It's true. 
those donkeys were like beasts of burden. Like they were all, you know, they would load those, those little guys up and they would just carry so much stuff. You would be like in downtown, the busiest city in Ethiopia, Addis Ababa, and people would be walking like donkeys down the street. I mean, donkeys were everywhere. And they would go to the marketplace to get more stuff to load up on their donkeys. And, uh, and those donkeys were just hanging out. Matter of fact, I was at a marketplace and I was so caught by the fact that these donkeys just waited around for their masters, you know, their owners, that I had to snap a picture. So I took a picture here I want to share with you. Here we're at a Marcus marketplace, and all these donkeys are just waiting around for their guys to come back. I'm thinking if you were smart, you would leave because they're going to bring a bunch of stuff, and they're going to load it on your back, and you're going to have to carry it. But there they stood, just kind of waiting. Now, if you look a little closer, you'll see why they just stood around. If we zero in on those two down in the lower left corner, just zero in a little bit closer and a little bit closer and maybe one more closer. Look at the front legs. Look at the front legs of those two donkeys. Notice something about them? They're tied together. You know what that's called when you tie a donkey's legs together like that? Fettering a donkey. They are fettered so they can't wander away. They're kind of stuck waiting there. They can't really go anywhere with those two front legs tied together. And that imagery of having our hearts fettered to God, that we wouldn't wander away from him, is a good picture in our minds, I think, of what prayer and the word of God can do for us. Matter of fact, I love the poetic prayer penned by Robert Robinson when in 1757, he wrote those lyrics of, Come Thou Fount of Many Blessings. Remember the lyrics? Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Oh, God, that you would help me to obey your commandments. God, that you would teach me your statutes. That, that, God, I need your help that I would not sin against you. That I would be fettered to you deep down in my heart. That that, 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 that chapter of the, or that verse of that song then goes on. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Every single one of us in here, it's not natural for us to walk a pure path. We are prone to wander. We're tempted in many different ways. We're drawn away from the Lord in so many different ways. I know that we want integrity in our hearts, but, but temptation is strong. We're prone to leave the God we love so that we would cry out to him, Lord, fetter me to you that I don't wander away. Help me to walk according to your truth, your word. And the second way that we are to have integrity is not just in our hearts, but in having integrity in our speech in the words that we say, how we talk to one another, how we interact with our mouths. Notice what the psalmist writes in verse 13. He says, with my lips, 
I have told of all the ordinances of your mouth. In other words, I've spoken what is proper, that you have laid out what is proper. I've, I've said those things. Years ago, I mean like a long time ago, um, over 10 years ago, I went to a conference and uh, one of the key speakers at the conference, his name was David Barton. David Barton is a brilliant guy. He's the founder of uh, Wall Builders, which you may not know. But um, what he's known for, at least for me, is his incredible knowledge of the founding of the United States and all the uh, founding documents of the United States and how they affect us even today. And um, he wrote a book that I bought when I was there, and I had him sign it, and I have it in my library. It's called Original Intent. Here's actually David Barton. and uh, that's the book that I have in my office. The, the subtitle is The Courts, the Constitution, and Religion. Brilliant, brilliant book, brilliant guy. Now, like I told you, this is a guy that spoke a long time ago, 10, 12 years ago that I remember. And I remember one line from his message that still sticks with me to today. He said, we must think biblically, but speak secularly. In other words, we must think about the truth of God's word, but when we interact with the society around us, we have to speak the language of our society. We have to speak the culture of our society. We have to make sure that we're grounded in God's word and that it dictates to us what's right and what's wrong and all that kind of stuff. But when we talk, we should, you know, make sure that we can relate to the world around us. To shine with integrity to our world We have to hide the word of God in our hearts. We have to. Because as Jesus said, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we have to keep having that steady diet of God's word in our hearts, deep down in our souls. But here's how having integrity in our speech adds to the word of God. The way that we have integrity in our speech is through praise and the word of God. That we praise the Lord as we learn and grow in understanding God's word. Listen to how the psalmist praises the Lord in verse 14. He says, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. As much as what riches can bring joy to my heart, I'll tell you what, no matter what kind of riches, what really brings joy to my heart are these testimonies. These statements of how true you are, how real you are, these these testimonies of how you really are, are who you say you are. A pivotal moment in my life. You know how every so often you have pivotal moments, like all of a sudden a pillar gets sort of driven into your life, and it's like, okay, I am going to live that way because it just is so impactful. You ever have those? You can kind of look over your life, these pillars in our lives. One of, one of my first pillars as an adult was, happened when I was 18. I'll never forget it. I was in the kitchen with my mom, and my mom is crying at the kitchen table, and I'm, I came into that, and I saw her crying, and that was just like the two of us, and I'm not quite sure why she's crying, not quite sure how to console her. I mean, you know, I was 18, not sure what to do, and I just sat down at the table with her and just sort of listened, and I'll never forget what happened. She's crying, and she's, she's uh, obviously very sad, and, uh, and all of a sudden, she just stands up, and she says, I'm done. I'm getting this monkey off of my back. I will no longer live in self-pity. 
I am now choosing to look at life differently. I will see the good in life and not the curse. And she changed. I mean, it was like, boom, light bulb went on, and she was different, seriously, from that time forward. She's now 81, still living that way, counting her blessings, seeing the good in life, taking charge of her life. She is a go-getter, even at the stage of life she's at. And it happened. It changed in that moment. I will never forget it. How do we look at life? Do we ask or do we see, shall I say, the generous hand of God in our lives? Or do we tend to wallow in self-pity? Do we tend to see the glass half empty or is it half full? How do we choose to look at life? Can we agree with the psalmist when he says, I rejoice, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches? I rejoice in how good you are, God, instead of always looking at all the bad stuff that's happening all around me? I think the instructions of the Apostle Paul are clear to us. If you go back to uh, Philippians, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, listen to what he says to us. Philippians 4, 8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Dwell on those things. And then he talks about integrity in the next verse. Listen to verse 9. And the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul was saying, you see, I have integrity. You've heard it from me. You've heard it from my lips. You've learned it from me. You know that this comes from deep inside of my heart. And you see the way that I'm living. I am a man of integrity, Paul is saying here. I have integrity in speech. I have integrity in my heart. And then, notice he says what you have seen in me. Which leads us to the last point. It's having integrity in our walk. Having integrity in the way that we live in our actions, in how we behave. Back in Psalm 119, verse 15, notice what it says. The psalmist writes, I will meditate on your precepts. By the way, your precepts are your mandates, you know. It's you telling me specific actions in the way that I ought to live. And regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. Again, those are prescriptions for our lives. And I shall not forget your word. What you prescribe for me, Lord, the way in which you tell me to live, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be committed to it. Notice what he says here. I will. I shall. I shall. Are you willing to say that? Am I willing to say that? I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk in my integrity. Whatever, Lord, you want of my life, I'm going to commit my life to that. Are you and I willing to say it? Now, before you answer in the affirmative, yeah, I'm willing, let's do this, let me just give you a warning. 
It's found out of 1 John 2, verse 16. And the warning is this. Temptation will assail you. I purposely use the word assail to to mean it will violently come after you. Temptation, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. Those things will be ever-present, and they will be yanking us away from the God we love. Are we willing to go after it? Here's how we keep our integrity in our walk. Perseverance and the Word of God. Perseverance means when we fall down, we get back up. When we stumble off the path of righteousness, we get back on the path of righteousness. When we drift away from the Lord, we come back to the Lord. Perseverance. That's why the psalmist says, I will meditate. I will persevere in this. I shall delight. I shall not forget. I will persevere. I'm making a decision right now, God, that I'm going to make you the Lord of my life. I'm going to make your Bible, your precepts, your prescriptions for my life, your mandates for my life, not just an appendage on my life, meaning something that I add off to the side that sort of, you know, is there, but there's bigger things in my life that I'm giving myself to. When we talk about integrity the way that God talks about integrity, it's where God is central. His word is central. It's at the very core of our being. Are we willing to do it? Are we willing to have that kind of integrity? Are you willing to be a man of integrity? Are you willing to be a woman of integrity? Or a boy or a girl of integrity? I feel compelled to give us the whole counsel of the Word of God. Because if we just take Psalm 119, 9 through 16, we might get the impression that all we need to do is, I need to pray. I need to praise God. I need to persevere. And if I just pull myself up by my bootstraps, then I can do this. I can live a life of integrity. Let me tell you, if all you're focusing in on, in on a, is what you can do, you are setting yourself up, and I would be setting myself up for failure. Can't do it. The whole counsel of God adds a couple more ingredients to it. The whole counsel of God, I think, adds two more ingredients. One is, if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. This Christian life, this dedication to the Lord, this keeping the plumb line of following after God and his word, that is something that we can't do on our own strength. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit our helper. He's there to help us. The Apostle Paul calls the Holy Spirit the restrainer. He restrains the onslaught of the attacks of the devil. And so we have the Holy Spirit in us as Christians to give us the strength when we feel weak. We have the Holy Spirit in us to give us wisdom. And we must call upon the Lord to save us in our time of need. We must call upon the Holy Spirit to be the strength that we need, to be the wisdom that we need. Ephesians 5 says that, we, that, 
that we should be being filled with the Holy Spirit, a daily need of the Holy Spirit, a minute-by-minute, moment-by-moment need for the Holy Spirit. How much do you and I rely on the Holy Spirit? Only when we feel like we can't do it on our own, we need to go to him first rather than last. And the second ingredient that God gives us is one another. This life of integrity with the Lord was never meant to be lived alone. We were meant to live in community with one another. We were meant to live needing one another, relying upon one another, that God gives us fellow brothers and sisters in order to live this life together. I think the Apostle Paul sums up all that we've been talking about with this integrity in Colossians chapter 3. Go with me to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ, and by the way, you can't have peace with Christ unless you're living a life of integrity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, down in our souls, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. By the way, the pronoun your and you there, plural. It's plural throughout this whole thing. We're all in this together, and we're one body. We are the church. Verse 16, let the word of Christ, we've been talking about this all morning, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. And then here's how we help each other out with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And then he talks about integrity. He talks about how we can make sure that we have integrity says this in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, being a church, being the church, means that we have got to create a place where we can be open, where we can be honest, where we can be authentic, The church has to be the place in the world where integrity is passionately pursued, where secrets are not kept, where confidences are safe, where we can trust each other, and where kindness rules the day. We have to be a place where we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds toward integrity in our hearts, integrity with our mouths, what we say, integrity with our very lives. Yes, the church, it's not about being flashy. It's not about being cool. not about being hipster. Uh Uh-uh. The church is about being real. And the church is about nurturing what it means to be really in love with Jesus Christ. So let me ask, who of you are in? Who of us are going to be committed to a life of integrity as God lays it out? Which one of us are willing to say, yep, I'm going to commit my life or recommit my life to the Lord today. Who of us is willing to do it? You know, when Jesus, 
when Jesus was calling his disciples to follow him, remember what he said, follow me? And his disciples didn't have to just sit there and go, you know what, in my heart, I'm making that commitment, Jesus, I'll follow you. In, in my heart, my mind, yep, I'm all in. You know what they did when he said, follow me? They stood up, dropped their nets, dropped their stuff, and followed him. It's like they made it public. I'm following you, Lord. I will do it. I'm, I'm in. So I don't, I don't do this often. But when I say, are you, are you going to commit yourself? Am I going to commit myself to a life of integrity? I mean, given the news lately, are we going to do it or not? I want to call you to a public declaration of your decision. If you say, I'm committing my life to a life of integrity starting this day forward, or I'm recommitting my life to a life of integrity this day forward, I'm going to ask you right now to stand up right where you're at. Jesus is saying, follow me. If that's you, in the honesty of your heart, stand up and say, yep, I'm in. <laughs> you know, given the news of this week, whew, this spurs me on. And I hope it spurs you on too. I hope it spurs us on to make that declaration, Lord Jesus, you are my king. And I want to follow you in my heart. And I want to follow you with my words. And I want to follow you with my life, with my walk. You stood up. Let's all stand. And let's sing this declaration out to our wonderful Lord who wants to lead us in lives of integrity.